The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. That regulatory landscape that was turning, and we felt was more in favour of a transaction such as this. And secondly, our own need for additional capital to support the growth and the transformation of the business meant that it was an appropriate time to sort of dust down the work we did before and evaluate it. And this time we concluded there was a case for putting this to the shareholders, our partners, to actually uh, vote on it. That was Andy Baldwin, Global Managing Partner of EY, speaking to Breaking Views Exchange podcast last year about the merits of a breakup of the big four accountancy giant. Fast forward five months and the split is off. The implications of that failed separation is the focus of this week's Views Room. Welcome back to the Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan. This week, Peter Tal Larson and I sat down to unpick what went wrong with the EY split and what options senior leaders in the accountancy firm now have. Take a listen. Hi, Amy, and uh, welcome to The Views Room. Thank you very much, Peter. So, Amy, you've been writing a lot for the past few months about the whole EY saga and the attempt by the big four accounting firm to sort of basically split itself up. And then I think you more or less predicted that that uh, effort would not work or that they, that they would have to stop and think of a plan B. And then most recently, EY has been cutting jobs. And you see you, and you've got another story that's gone out this week uh, looking at kind of what happens next. I mean, I think just be worth, for people who haven't followed this as closely as you have, be worth maybe just taking a step back and saying, what is going on in the world of accounting that that would lead these institutions, which one of these institutions, which are normally quite dull and boring, right, to be in such turmoil? Absolutely. I mean, so you kind of have to understand the makeup of these businesses and as in how they make their money. Is they so part of the business? About half of the business is audit. So it audits companies like Google and Coca Cola and make sure their make sure their accounts are all you know what they should be. And then it has another arm, which is its consulting business. And that can be anything from M&A transactions to uh, cybersecurity. Uh, They can help create IT systems. So that's that's a huge business. And the way these companies work is, or how they previously worked, was that the audit business was sort of the door opener to the consulting. So you got an audit, which tended to be not as profitable, but it got you in the door to talk to a big CEO and the C- and you'd say, well, I'm doing your audit and I see that you need all of these other services and all of my consulting people can do that for you. So there was a problem with that, though, was that regulators in, in America and in Europe started to think that the scandals that were happening with companies like Carillion and Wirecard, where the auditors were considered to be falling short, they weren't being, uh, they weren't questioning enough. It was seen that the consulting, that sort of relationship that they had was leading to conflicts of interest, that the audit wasn't as strong as it should have been. And so many regulators have raised the idea. So so just to sort of put that, I mean, to, 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 to articulate that, because essentially what was happening or what regulators suspected what was was happening was that was that the auditors would think, oh, well, we might there are some problems here. We might want to blow the whistle on this. 
and then and then they'd look at how much business is coming in from the consulting business which is more lucrative and they'd say oh well okay maybe we better turn a blind eye to this one because we don't want to upset the uh, um the, the, the consulting relationship is that is that yeah absolutely that's exactly it yeah that's exactly it and so then what regulators different regulators took different approaches different ideas but so in Europe they brought in a system where they said basically that there had to be mandatory rotation of the big four so if you had EY as your auditor you had to change every 10 years to another auditor the idea being that like a fresh pair of eyes would uh, be beneficial and would they would be more questioning going on with that split but The problem is, is that scandals continued and regulators then started to think that actually what really needs to happen is there needs to be a split of these businesses, the audit and consulting, that these two businesses should not be together because the conflicts are there and the quality of audits. So the Financial Reporting Council in the UK, which is the regulator of auditors, deemed that the the audit quality was actually very poor um, and that was one way it could be fixed. Yeah, and so EY got ahead of that, really, right? They came out and said, okay, this is the way the wind is blowing. We're going to kind of proactively break ourselves up. We think there are all kinds of benefits to doing so. And even though the other three are kind of resisting this, the PWC and Deloitte uh, and KPMG are resisting this trend, EY said, we're going to do this proactively, um, and we think we'll get a sort of an advantage from doing so. So Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, there was the regulatory factor was was one factor, but they had some other arguments for why this was a good idea, right? Yes, yes, and like some were like quite specific to EY. So, for example, they thought that this sort of taboo that I was talking about about the sort of whether a regulator actually was trying to kind of ban the two businesses being together that it was just making it harder for them to do business for an audit client. So, for example, in America. EY says that they audit nine of the top 10 technology companies in America. So Meta, Alphabet, the Google owner. And as a result of that, they are not really able to sell them consulting work. And the consulting work is where they make most of their profit. So they were kind of desperate to find a solution that would allow them to really kind of pitch for this kind of business. And they were really kind of locked out of it. So that was that was one of their reasons why they thought that this would be beneficial. And they thought that the two businesses would grow. They would grow and thrive that actually a separate auditor with no conflicts at all could actually win lots of business. And a, and a big enough consulting unit would be able to compete against Accenture and those ones that are that are really just consulting businesses that it would be that it would be effective at competing with those. OK, so, so if this was such a good idea and. The regulators want it and it kind of makes financial sense why hasn't it happened why have they not been able to do it well i think it was funny i think our, our colleague john foley in the us he kind of got it right that the more complex these situations are when it comes to splitting up a company the harder they are to pull off and i think this was probably one of the most complicated cups you could imagine because ey although it is a sprawling business that operates under this one name it had to gain the approval, the, the sort of the, the top partners in EY had to gain the approval of over 70 countries. So the way that it works is these, these like America, for example, is a partnership of its own. So it's responding to clients, it's responding to regulators in that in that country. And so they got a vote on it. And then the UK got a vote on it. And so they all had to agree. And then they had to yeah. also be like hiving off different parts of the business. 
And one of the biggest issues seemed to be tax, the sort of dull, boring part of, of the business. But actually, it turned out to be what clients really want is advice on how they reduce their global tax bill. And EY was was sort of crucial in that. So the audit bit felt like they weren't getting enough of the tax business to, to sort of thrive on their own. And the consulting business felt the same way. OK, so, so in, in the in the divorce, the, the parents then were fighting over the the children, and the, <laughs> yeah, the, the favorite child, the children. exactly. <laughs> and, the, and the tax business is the uh, is the one they're fighting. Over. Yeah, because it's important to sort of make that clear, because I think sometimes people slightly lose track of that. I mean, it's you know, you see the name EY all over the place. And they they present themselves to the world of these big global companies and they have CEOs and, and operations everywhere and they sponsor things and so forth. But actually, they're, what they really are is they're sort of a confederation of all these partnerships in different countries. And so actually, even if this was like one big company doing a split like this would be quite complicated. But doing it when you're lots of national partnerships sort of associated with each other, um, Abs- I guess it's absolutely. just really too difficult. It did. And I think that those other things sort of working against it as well. The others, its rivals that you mentioned, Deloitte, PwC and KPMG, were sort of a pains to say that they were not planning a similar split. And in some ways, I mean, it was the Deloitte boss that said, you know, that he couldn't see find any sense in why they were doing this. So I think that 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 also sort of made it difficult. There was so much noise going on going on around this split. And and EY didn't announce this. It was leaked last May. So I think they hadn't really had their ducks in a row. By the time it leaked, they were not really prepared to to sort of explain the split in in all the ways that it needed to be explained. But they're not they're not talking about they're not talking about like now that it's sort of failed and it's not happening and they've accepted that. They're not saying this is off the table. They're saying it's postponed, which I think, again, carries its own problems for EY. Yeah, because. I mean, I guess, you know, to to extend the divorce analogy, perhaps, you know, uh, appropriately or inappropriately. I mean, if you sort of decide to get divorced and then decide it's just too complicated and and now you're sort of cohabiting again. um, I mean, it's not a great situation. Right. I guess what I would I guess I'm curious about is also if if the sort of direction of travel as far as the regulators concerned, it remains the same and some of the sort of the underlying financial logic for doing this remains the same, then. Then do you what's your if you sort of roll this forward, like do we have in, in five, ten years, do we still have a big four? Do we have a big eight? Do we have some of them that have split and some of them that haven't? What what's what do you where do you think this ends up? Well, I mean, EY, you know, talked to Breaking Views, you know, on our podcast and 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 one of the partners said to us, you know, this is not going away. If we don't get this vote, we will just keep running it because this is this is what's gonna happen. But I think what this situation and this failure shows is that there is no argument that that there is a regulatory argument for breaking these businesses up, that there is actually, you know, a business argument in EY's case for it too. But the actual mechanics of breaking this business up and gaining approval from your partners might actually be too difficult. So maybe as to use your your marriage analogy, maybe you just have a few miserable companies that are still together because they can't find a way to split up. And I think that in EY's case, because they've sort of gone out on their own, these companies, I think, sort of struggle to differentiate themselves from each other. They're called the big four. They all occupy kind of similar looking offices, um, you know, they hire very similar candidates in their graduate schemes. But I think that the that what is now differentiated EY is that there is sort of instability there. They are still planning the split 
And if you're joining them as a, I think, as a as a recruit, as an early recruit, that is a question you would have in your mind. And if you're a client, you might think the same. So you're a huge company. You need one of the big four to look after many of your needs. You might think to yourself, well, are they going to be distracted by still this big separation idea or question that they're trying to solve? I might just go to one of the others. And if you you know, carry that on, where does that lead? Maybe it's that EY falls back and they sort of become the three and a half. Um, but there is no sense that another big auditor or big company like Mazars or any of these is in any way hot on their heels. They're so far behind and the regulators see them as so far behind. The regulators don't really want them auditing massive companies on their own. Yeah. So we're um, so, so the big four, or maybe the big three and a half. Maybe we're stuck with them for a while. Amy, it's fascinating. Um, thank you very much for giving us that uh, that overview. And uh, um, who knows, we may talk about E Y or E and Y uh, separately <laughs> again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashtich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.